Amen, amen. Well, thank you all for joining us here at Redwood Christian Church. We're continuing our study in the book of uh, Philippians. I didn't want to talk about uh, if you're new to church, if you're, uh, you know, new to doing this, that that might have seemed a little bit strange what we just did right there. I mean, it's not like uh, if you went to like a PTA meeting, they're not going to open it up with some Van Halen or something where they put the lyrics on the screen. Uh, it, it's kind of like Christian karaoke, right, where the, the lyrics are on the screen, uh, you kind of know the melody, uh, you know, but you get to do it while you're sober, and so that's really exciting. <laughs> and we get to choose, like, who gets a microphone, and so that, again, that's, that's exciting. You don't have to, like, do it and embarrass yourself in front of a bunch of friends, but uh, the Bible tells us that we, uh, we should sing our praises to the Lord. And so that's what we do when we come here. We, we want to remind ourselves of who God is, where our place is in the kingdom, and so that's why we sing the songs that we sing. Okay, I just wanted to get that out of the way, so if you felt a little uncomfortable, it's like, it's okay. Like, it takes some time. It takes some time to get used to it. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. Okay, so again, we're continuing the, the book of Philippians. Uh, but before we do, I, again, I want to say that last week I, I made a call for like, hey, we just need some more volunteers, and, and y'all stepped up. We had a bunch of people sign up to volunteer, so that's really exciting. So uh, yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you for doing that. Uh, as is always, there are more openings, and so don't feel like there's nothing for you to do. There's, there's tons to do. Uh, I know that a lot of you wanted to get up here and speak, and so that is the... Or maybe not. Uh, you know, like they're, they're the two biggest fears people have in life is death and public speaking, and it's actually public speaking and then death. So for most of you, this would be death. I get it. Okay. Uh, if you haven't figured out where you want to serve again, please, right outside these, these doors, right out here, we have the, the Welcome Center, and there's, there's plenty of things to sign up for. Uh, also, if you don't want to go there, you're like, eh, I don't have time to do that today, uh, you have those connection cards that were in your bulletin. Fill one of those out. Let us know where you would like to serve. Okay, so this week is week five. I'm going to put that uh, paperclip down so I stop playing with it. Uh, week five, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. The book of Philippians, again, it's about 90% of the way through uh, your Bible, if you're holding it out. Um, it's between Ephesians and Colossians. And I love for us to, to read the passages together. Again, that was Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at verses 3 through 11. If you remember uh, a while back, I mean, I've only been here for six months, but so a while back seems kind of silly to say, uh, but I preached on like my, my 10 verses for transformation, my 10 uh, most transformational verses. This passage that we're going to look at, so these passages were in my top 10 and so I'm excited to talk about these passages again. And I know you guys are like so ready and so excited to talk about those. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be some in, in the seats in front of you, or you can use your, your phone. If you have a smartphone, uh, version app is, is really great. So, okay, let's read together. Again, this is, it's a long passage, uh, so you, I have them up on the screen as well. And so you can either follow along or uh, read the, the verses on the screens. Okay, this is what it says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. All right. I think we're good. I think we can go home now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked the concept of using the, the planes and, and the, the green letters, but now looking at it, it's kind of hard to read. Uh, but later on, when I make a point, the letters will be bigger. So, we'll be able to read those together. Okay. 
Continuing on, he uh, says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his or her own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, again, you may be thinking, haven't I heard Brian, haven't I heard Brian preach this sermon before? And no, this one is different because it's a part of a series, okay? This one's different. <laughs> so Paul, he's the author of this letter, which became a book of our Bible, and he's writing it to the church in Philippi, and he loves the church. They're an amazing church, and I feel the same way about uh, the, the church here at Redwood. You are an amazing church. I'm excited to be a part of it and excited to see what happens next here. But Paul, he is encouraging them and now us to remain unified. Right, we discussed that last week, if you were here. We talked about what it means to be unified and, and the importance of doing that. And he fleshes that out. He goes, hey, this is what we are unified in. It's not just, it's not just about being uh, unified. It's about what are we to be unified in. So the reason Paul has to say this to the church in Philippi and now us is because these things don't come naturally to us, right? We talked about that last week, right? How easy it is for men to just openly express their feelings and how we don't have to be encouraged or goaded. We just talk about them all the time. Um, no, again, these are things that do not come naturally to us. So in verse three, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, which is just the easiest passage to follow in our lives, right? We, we hear that passage and we just go, okay, I'm a completely changed person. I'm completely selfless now. So how much? How much does he tell us that we are supposed to do from selfish ambition? How much? So here's why I chose to start uh, this verse in, in this sermon. Um, everything that we do naturally comes out of selfish ambition. Do you understand that? You know what words you don't have to teach a toddler? Mine, yeah. It doesn't matter if they haven't played with that toy in three years. As soon as their sibling picks it up, it's like, no, no, no. That's my favorite, that's my favorite toy. That's my favorite toy. Even more so, like uh, if I go and I, and I try to hug my wife, Catherine, you know, my kids will come in and, and try to push. That's my mommy. Get away, dad. That's my mommy. Every single person is selfish by their nature. And if you don't believe so, um, you're proving my point. Uh, so every single person, every single person has to be humble. Every single person has to be humbled. And so we have to ask, okay, how, how do we become humble? We, we understand that that's, that's a good quality to have. 
right? When, you're, when they're interviewing a sports star and they go, hey, the game went really well, if this athlete goes, yeah, I did fantastic. I'm the best. I'm amazing. You're like, I don't really like you. But if this person goes, yeah, my team played really well. I, I felt like we harmonized really well. Our coach had a great plan. Uh, these other people that they, they really followed through with the plan, they did really well, and I was just happy to be a part of it. That's when I'm like, I, I like that guy. You're like, he, he, knows, he knows what's important in life, and it's not himself. Uh, th- the fact is that every relationship you have will get better if you lived out these verses that we're going to talk about today. Every single relationship you have will improve if you can take at least one selfish person out of the equation. Two selfish people always end in disaster. Again, your kids are naturally selfish. It's who we are. Uh, we are in a constant struggle of gently convincing our children through harsh discipline that sharing is important, right? Gently encouraging through harsh discipline. Sharing is important, and being selfless is important. And I would suffice to say that 90% of the struggles in my house are because one of our children has taken one of our other children's toys and refused to give it back, right? 90% of the struggles in my house with our kids is because one kid has taken another kid's toy uh, and refused to give it back, um, we have these, I don't, know, I don't even know why it's a big deal. We, we have this divider thing to keep the dog uh, from the living. We have a really small living room. Uh, but the dog, you know, no matter how many years we've tried to train her, she always wants to stay on the couch. Well, we just got this new couch. And so Catherine doesn't want the dog on the couch because the dog is dirty. So we have this divider. And the divider is full, full of these dowel rods, right? They're not very big, half-inch dowel rods. But our kids love to take them out of the divider and then play with them. So, yeah, so then the, I think the dog trained the kids to do this. So they take these dowel rods, and then they're using them as swords and all sorts of stuff and breaking things. And so you have to pay constant attention if you have this divider out. And for some reason, this is like the biggest point of contention is which dowel rod is theirs. There's 50 of them in this thing. No, 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 that one's mine. You pick, you pick mine. You pick, it has this little indentation right there. I know that one. That's my forehead right there. That's the... Again, we didn't have to teach our kids to do that. Just naturally selfish. Uh, did you know that they, they won't even do studies on, on whether or not pe- kids, like kids are sociopaths? Like you have to wait till they're 18 to figure that out <laughs> because all kids are sociopaths, right? Every single one of them, every single one of them just, just I don't care. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this thing that I want. Uh, so it, if we are not trained by our parents or our guardians, this is who we will be for the rest of our lives. And we see that (laughs) living out in society today. Because we adults, I mean, we never, we never act like kids with our toys, right? We would never do that. Like in marriages, we never disagree about money, right? Never. You know, intimacy, the house, our vehicles. We would never disagree about any of those things or our future, where we should live, which kids, how we should raise our kids. As parents, we would never disagree about those things, right? Randy and Diane, you guys have never had a disagreement in your life. (laughs) Diane was right the whole time. We all knew it, so. (laughs) 
right? We would never get upset if someone in our house ate our leftovers from the night before. We would never get upset about something like that. Or uh, if someone wanted to watch a TV show that we didn't want to watch. Or if someone wanted to drive our car. We would never be upset about any of those things. So we wouldn't do those things because we're adults and we understand the value of sharing and considering other people first. Or maybe this verse does apply to us. And maybe you feel directly attacked by one of the things I just said uh, because your name is Brian Garland and uh, that's my name. And you realize, you realize that you are selfish. Every time you read this passage, you realize you have selfish tendencies. And I started this verse with this verse today because every single one of us are deeply selfish and flawed in our core, and we are in desperate need of a Savior to change us into His likeness. Uh, Women with children, mothers, are often much better at being selfless than men. Did you know that? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Ed shakes his head. No, he does not know that. But it is true. There's, there's just something inside of like women when it comes to like their, their children, not other people's kids, but their kids, that uh, they become very selfless uh, right away, even if they're not selfless people uh, most of the time. Okay, so this is my first point. Do nothing out of selfishness, uh, but instead count others more important than yourself. And again, I'm going to say this a couple times, but if we just took that one verse and we lived that out, we would change the world overnight. If we took that one verse and we just meditated on it, right, like the psalmist says, he, he chews on it, he, he chews on it like it's cud, he, he like brings it back up and he, he ponders it, he thinks about it day and night. If we just took that one verse... Do nothing from selfish ambition, but consider more, other people more important than yourself. If we just look at one verse, we would change the world drastically overnight. But again, it's in the Bible. He's telling it to us because it doesn't come naturally to us, and it is very difficult. So he continues in verse 4 saying, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When we allow the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out, we genuinely care about other people's interests. And this may sound foreign to you because, I I don't know, there, there, there are things in life that I don't care about. Cats, mostly. But there are things, there are other things in life that I just don't care about. You know, uh, shopping? Why do... What? Shopping for, like now if we go to like Sportsman's Warehouse, then I'm like, yeah, shopping's cool. But when we're like looking for clothes and we got to try on 50 outfits and it's like, okay, come on, like let's go home. There are things that I don't care about. And if you are a married person, you understand that you will have to invest in the other person's interests or you will not be happy. And if you both are not investing in the other person's interest, you will have a deeply unhealthy relationship. But if you can both invest time and energy into each other's interests, then you can have a healthy bond. And you might find out that you love it too, or maybe you'll find that it's ridiculous, but that's okay, like K-pop. But you're willing to care about the things that they care about, not because (laughs) they matter to you, because they matter to someone that you love. And I don't have to like what everyone else likes, right? I I don't like soup. 
it's great that you like soup. That's fantastic. If you want to eat soup, more power to you. If you want to feed me soup, then we get to talk. But I'm, I'm called to love you and others enough to take interest in what you're interested in. You are called to love other people so much that you will take an interest in what they're interested in. And I know that there's, 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 there's a higher amount of, of women in this room, which is typical in most churches. And just think about the relationship that you have had with men and how much you feel loved and appreciated when your significant other takes an interest in what you're interested in. Even if they don't do it, if they provide you space and time and resources for you to do the things that you're interested in, think about how that makes you feel. And then, why don't, I, why don't I do that for other people? Why don't I take interest in what other people are interested in? So number two is take interest in others' interests. Man, that's fun to say. Take interest in others' interests. He continues in verse 5 saying, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here again, Paul is he's reminding us that we should not compare ourselves to the greatness of a person. He's not telling the church in Philippi, hey, remember how great I am? Look at, the, look at the way that I do things. I, I'm so much better than you, so do things like how I do them. Well, no, he doesn't do that because he understands that every single person is, is uh, capable of failing and failing in a great way. Every single person will fail. I'm going to say something that's going to offend you someday, and I apologize in advance if I haven't already done so. But the reality is, is that Jesus being perfect, Paul can say, look to Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about whoever your local leadership are in that time. It's all about Jesus. And we'll talk about that later. Every single one of us has, uh, we have flaws, except for Jesus. So when it comes to humility, he said, look, look towards Jesus. He says, have this mind which is yours. And I love that because I think sometimes we feel like we're trying to obtain that mind. We're trying to like figure it out. How do I think that way? How do I think more like Jesus? But what Paul is telling the church and now us is he, you already have this mind. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We just sang that song about the Holy Spirit being welcome here. And not just here in this building, but here inside of us. That's the mind he's talking about. You already have the Spirit of God within you. If you have believed and you've been baptized into his kingdom, you have the spirit of God within you. You have this mind. He's not saying try to think like this. He's saying just think, use the Holy Spirit within you to think this way. We are capable of living a completely selfless life. We are capable of changing our mindset, but it's only because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We have this mind. It is ours. If you have accepted the free gift of salvation, this is the mindset that we are called to be unified in, which is to be the same level of selfless as Jesus is, which is just easy, right? 
Every single one of you, you're like, I recognize the need that I know I need to be selfless, but it is very difficult. So we have to think of ourselves like Jesus thought of himself, who in spite of being God, did not elevate himself mentally to, to be God. That's what this passage is saying. Jesus, he, he knew that he was God. He knew that he had all the powers. He says the Father and I are one, and yet he doesn't allow himself while he was here on earth physically, he didn't allow himself to just stay in that mindset. I'm God. Everyone should serve me. I'm perfect. He didn't allow himself to think that way. So when it, the passage says it was, it was not something that could be grasped, it's because he wanted to show us how to live life as people. So we had to set aside this mental processing of being God and needing to be worshiped Instead, he said, I'm going to serve the people like they should serve each other. And every time I read this passage, I'm deeply humbled by the implications. He says, think, like, humble yourself like Jesus did. And if you don't know, before Jesus came to earth as a man, he was, he was God. It says that he was the, the architect of the universe. That he, he was there in the beginning. He, he, he is God. He always has been God. He always will be God. And he gave up being worshipped by all the angels and, and all the saints all the time to come to earth. Not only that, but he had to come to the place that, that he created. And he had to start life as a baby. The king of the universe all the power. He can speak anything to existence, right? Genesis chapter 1. He can speak anything to existence, and he comes to earth as a helpless baby. So this passage, we're talking about pouring himself out. He emptied himself to become a baby. Because when we think about babies, we think about ultimate power in the universe, right? We have to watch, I mean, my, my, my son's two, and if I left him to his own devices, he'd be swallowing batteries and, you know, he'd be trying to eat wooden dowels, all of the things. No, like he humbled himself. He poured himself out. He became man in the flesh, and yet he marched courageously toward the cross where he bore our iniquities. He was tortured and killed for the sake of our sins where he died and then three days later rose again where he conquered death. He paved a way to the Father for all mankind. Can I get an Amen. So when we are faced with a difficult decision in our life and we're trying to figure out what the, what the answer is, what we must do is simple. We have to WWJD. Everyone remember those, those cool bracelets? I had one in middle school, right? What would Jesus do? These weren't just cool bracelets that apparently they made a surge, like they came back for a little bit lately and then they went away again, which is sad. Uh, if you didn't know, they were literally just bracelets that said WWJD. And they came in all colors, you know, and, and you'd wear them and you'd get them at church camp. And you didn't tell your friends about Jesus. You just wore the bracelet. And then that, you kind of tell people about Jesus that way. But uh, so it was, this, it was this thing where it was supposed to remind us to think like Jesus thought. When, when we try to think like like Jesus thinks and acts like Jesus acts, it's, it's not a religion. 
It's not a religion or we're not trying to fit in to the church. We're not trying to make sure that we play the part of a Christian. It's all about trying to become like Jesus for Jesus' sake. It's all about being like Jesus. So Paul, the author of this book, is constantly trying to remind us of the sacrifice and mindset of Jesus to bring us back to what is important. All the stuff that we invest in financially, emotionally, uh, and even momentarily, right, in the moments, what moments do we invest in, it has to be focused on Jesus in order for us to be Christians, right, minions of, of Jesus, followers of Jesus. It's not about fitting in or trying to be good enough to be saved because Jesus already did all the work to save our souls. It's about being changed into the likeness of Christ in order to bring more people to Jesus. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And it's okay that that some people don't like the fact that being like Jesus is weird because it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be weird to be like Jesus. For those of you who have worked in a common workplace where there's other people working or do so now, if someone acted like Jesus in all things, quick to forgive, always loving, very patient, speaking the truth in love, uh, putting other people's needs first, they would stand out. It would be ridiculous. There's something so radically different about this person. And that's the way it should be. We are so radically different from the world when we think and act like Jesus. I don't want what the world wants. I don't need what the world needs. I, I want to be more like Jesus. And I need more of Jesus and less of me. This is what John the Baptist said. I'm, gonna, I'm not putting all the verses up, but if you're taking notes, this is what I'm referencing. John 3.30. This is John the Baptist. He's speaking about Jesus. He says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Luke 9.23 says, And he said, this is Jesus, He said to all, which all would include us. So it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The growth that we wish to see in our children is the growth that Jesus wishes to see in us, which is selflessness. In Matthew 20, Jesus is leading his disciples and, and trying to get them to simply understand their purpose. And at that time, uh, James and, and John, two of the, the disciples, uh, their mother came up to Jesus, which is, it's always great when your mom wants to come and talk to your boss, right? Isn't that the best? So their, their mom comes to talk to Jesus, and she recognized that Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth, but she says, hey, when, when you get where you're going, um, can you just promise me that you'll give my two sons, James and John, the most powerful seats in your kingdom? Just put them on your left and on your right. And, and when the disciples heard <laughs> James and John, their, their mother, discussing this with Jesus, they became indignant towards the two disciples. They were, they were upset. So this is, this is Jesus' response. I'm going to read starting in verse 25. So this is, again, this is Jesus' response to James and John's mother asking for powerful seats in the kingdom of heaven. 
This is Matthew 20, verse 25. He says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus, if Jesus, the King of the universe, humbled himself to become like his creation and allowed himself to be crucified then in order to be like Jesus, we mustn't seek higher positions of power and influence for our sake, but we should seek more and more opportunities to serve other people. If we want to be like Jesus, which I pray we all do, our goal in life is not to be blessed, but to bless others. Again, if we want to be like Jesus, our goal in life is not to be blessed, hashtag blessed, but to bless others. Now, am I tremendously blessed because of Christ? Absolutely. But my goal in life is not to be blessed. I honestly cannot believe all the Lord has given me in my life. I have, I have both my parents living. You know, I have a beautiful wife and two amazingly healthy children. And I know I, know I don't deserve any of it. Because I, I know who I am. I know the mistakes that I've made in my past. I, I know what I deserve, and it's not what I have. So I thank Jesus because of all the blessings that I have. But if I lost everything tomorrow, if I lost all the people that I loved and all the things that I own, I would still praise Jesus because I still have his salvation for all eternity and his love now. The Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus told us to love each other in the same way that he loved us. It was the only new commandment that Jesus gave. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Which means that we care more about being a blessing than being blessed. I mean, I've read the Gospels a lot. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not bragging. Uh, I don't ever remember a time when Jesus stopped the disciples and go, okay, hey, we need to take 10 so you guys can worship me. Anybody else? I mean, I, there's a lot of really amazing biblical scholars. Ed, did that ever happen? Jesus goes, hey, take, take 10 minutes. You guys are being kind of selfish. Just sing some praise songs about me and then we'll... No. When we, when we act like Jesus acts, we, we care more about being a blessing than being blessed. So my point number three from this passage is be like Jesus and bless others. Continuing in verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Because of Christ's humility, he is now exalted above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so he says, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. He's talking about, he's talking about hell. He's talking about, you know, Hades, hell, you know. So what does that, when he says every knee should bow in those three places, what is that? Where, where is that? What does that encompass? Right, yeah, you got heaven, you got here, and you got not here. And uh, so all those, those three places encompasses everything. And he says it's because of the humility of Jesus. When he's here on earth, they ask him, hey, under what authority do you do these things? He says, the Father. I don't, he, he tells the disciples that he doesn't do anything out of his own thoughts. He does whatever the Father tells him to do. And yet we know that Jesus and the Father are equal. So when Jesus came to earth, he chose to humble himself. Humility is a choice that we have to make. We get so distracted, though, by, I don't know, computers, Instagram, TikTok, government, kids, grandkids, the media. Sometimes we just forget about, man, it's all about Jesus. That's my fourth point. It's going to be all about Jesus for all eternity. So the more we make our life now all about Jesus, the more that we will be bringing heaven to earth. I'm going to call the worship team back up. But if we pursue a life that is selfless, putting others first, putting their needs first, even above the interests of ourselves, using Jesus as our guide for humility and keep the focus on Jesus, then we cannot be stopped. Uh, back in Genesis, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I, I feel like the Holy Spirit just brought it to my mind. Uh, they, were, they were building this, this tower uh, to heaven, right? They said the, this is, we call it the Tower of Babel, right? Because this is when the people were, were scattered. Uh, the Bible tells us that the reason that the Lord had to stop them, he says, because when people are unified to a goal, they cannot be stopped. Did you know that? They cannot be stopped. Go back and read the story again. It's amazing. They cannot be stopped. So he said he had to stop them. And it is the same for us now. If we have the goal of making sure that every person that we come into contact with experiences Christ on a brand new level like they never have before, then we cannot be stopped. If we have the focus as a church, the unity of the church to say that we want all of Grants Pass and the greater Grants Pass area to know about Jesus, to follow Jesus, we cannot be stopped. We know that in the end, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, so let's get that party started now, amen? So if you want to have the biggest impact on your family, on your neighborhood, you have to love them authentically and radically. Satan has no answer for a group of people who love each other enough to forgive others quickly and to bless others rather than to care about being blessed themselves. So my encouragement to my beloved family here at Redwood is don't stop. We're headed in the right direction. We're going the right way. We're becoming the family again that we were before, that God has called us to be. So keep leaning in, keep surrendering, surrendering to Jesus and watch as the Holy Spirit does a miraculous work in and through you. It's all about Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we have come here today just to, to worship you, to learn more about you. So, God, I just ask that you would continue to cause us to be humble. God, you are so much greater than anything that we could even imagine. So just help us to be more like you. And all God's people said, amen.